When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Good day, dear listeners. Uh, welcome to another hour of Engaging Conversations at She Talks Peace. I'm Salma Pirasul, uh, joining you from Manila. I'm temporarily covering for your regular host, Amina Rasul, from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, who is a bit under the weather and could not join us for today's session. So, dear listeners, let us all send healing thoughts so Amina can get back to her hosting duties soon. But anyway, it's nice to be here again in She Talks Peace. The last time I was here was when we were talking about how mothers empower daughters. I think this was done in March in time for the commemoration of uh, Women's uh, Month. And from that episode since then, the podcast has continued to touch on many relevant topics of critical importance to the lives of communities, not only in the Philippines, uh, in Southeast Asia, but across other jurisdictions as well. Dear listeners, we have just concluded the State of the Nation address of our president last week, and uh, we have heard promises that need to be followed through with respect to uh, government programs and policies. I think at least uh, Amina and I both think that it's important to talk about how these decisions and affirmations can be translated into good governance and uh, responsive leadership. So at this point, let me talk about our special guest for today's session. Uh, at an instance when we were looking for possible guests that could talk about uh, governance, both from a private sector CSO perspective and actually being part of government. We immediately thought of this young or not so young gentleman who hails from Maguindanao. Uh, specifically, I'm talking about 
uh, member of parliament, attorney Datu or Datu Attorney Suharto Mastura Ambolonto. He is a Mindanao conflict-affected area and judicial reform activist. Uh, he served as the regional legislative advisor of the then regional assembly. This was a precursor of the current parliament in Barm uh, during the then autonomous regional government. Barm was known as ARM first, right? And he also served as a rule of law project activity manager in ARM and a course director for capacity building for effective uh, for an effective RLA regional legislative assembly plus owing to his profession as a lawyer he has been asked to serve as a sharia justice consultant aside from his work as a civil society advocate uh, he was appointed by then president Uh, Duterte to the first Bangsamoro Transition Authority and then he was reappointed by President uh, Ferdinand Marcos Jr. in 2022. His known advocacies are on human rights, public order and safety, health and sustainable development which are all critical issues that impact the autonomous region and also uh, influences the rest of the country. Welcome to She Talks Peace, uh, Attorney Teng Ambolonto. Uh, thank you, Attorney Sal. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me to She Talks Peace. I know we've been meeting each other across several forums, but you know, uh, let us update our listeners who maybe in who I I'm sure are interested in what's keeping you busy these days. Well, uh, currently I'm in the Bangsamoro Transition Authority. The transition is supposed to have culminated in 2022, but the president, then President Rodrigo Roa Duterte, deemed it fit to extend us for another the transition to another three more years. We are already on our second Bangsamoro Development Plan. We have enacted our first Bangsamoro Development Plan, 2020-2023. Uh, we just have we just adopted this year the 2023 to 2028 Bangsamoro Development Plan. Other than that, I also have uh, exposure in the in Tawi-Tawi. We're looking into our fisheries, mm-hmm. our seaweeds, and of course our maritime security. Wow, that's like a full full plate, right? Early in your career, and I think for several years you were part of the academe and civil society looking at. Also, key governance issues. Uh, this perspective has this helped in any way in your pushing for reforms and uh, legislative reforms in Barm? Well, yes, and basically, it's the basic parang medium uh, or platform for the members of the BTA uh, engaging each other, and of course, the Bangsamoro Parliament. You must remember that. The, That the PTA is an MILF-led transition authority, and most of us uh, basically we have engaged them, the more members of the more Islamic Liberation Front and some of our friends in the more National Liberation Front, when we were still in with civil society. We were also pushing for reforms in the bar, and particularly during the time of Governor 
Mujib Hataman. You, you remember that we have yes. a reform uh, uh, slate uh, appointed by then President Benigno Aquino III mm-hmm. uh, in 2011. Then they got uh, re- uh, they were they got elected in 2013 on basically on a platform reform. And these are the things that uh, we have been uh, discussing when we were in the civil society. And uh, these are where these are the platforms that we have been pursuing. Uh, they commenced in 2011, then elected in 2013, and re-elected in 2016. You mentioned about uh, the reform agenda that was set initially by then Governor Hataman, right? Uh, has the reform agenda uh, currently been embedded in uh, the current agenda of BARM or has it undergone a new revisiting? Because, you know, we're, we're al- almost we, every time there's a change in administration, there's a change of agenda and priorities. Has this occurred? Basically, the situations remain the same. The challenges continue to be the same. So we, it can be that should explain why the approaches and the frameworks on engaging government and communities continue to be quite similar, if not the same. So we are continue to be facing the same problem. It's only Lano del Sur that was uh, one of the poorest in 2019, 2018 that became one of the least poor in mm-hmm. a matter of three years, in 2021 or 2022. So, but basically, most of our commun- communities continue to be in the same situation as they were, uh, say, three and ten years ago. Time and again, these same issues face BARM or ARM and the communities, right? Poverty, low levels of literacy, lack of economic growth because there are no drivers in the private sector in in arm now barm and yet you know year in year out our policymakers our decision makers and our legislators for the region already know these issues and and yet there seems to be no effective uh, program that would address these issues there's something in the bangsamoro waters that prevents us from progressing no uh one is that there are some institutional constraints that beset uh the armm one is that we don't have fiscal autonomy now we have fiscal autonomy we have 85 billion pesos per annum one excuse that we have right now is that we are is um we are st- we are still on the catching uh, catch up uh, state right now so we we do have the resources. We already have the structures, so we see we just have to uh, push things through uh, so that we be able to catch up. We we intend to, for instance, in 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 on fisheries, we provide thirty percent of the national fish fish food requirement of the entire country. In seaweeds, we provide fifty two percent of the national. Uh, uh, pro, uh, seaweeds production. So basically, we are de- already there even before the Bangsam Autonomous Region. What we have right now is being able to, our opportunities of, uh, as you were saying, providing the economic infrastructure that can only be provided by the private sector. 
So, Chief Absin, we are very glad na uh, Sulu has been not declared, is is seen as being terrorism-free for a couple of months or not years. Uh, then we are also uh, solving our BIFF problem here in central Mindanao. We are decommissioning our uh, uh, brothers from the for more Islamic liberation front. So basically, we are providing a more stable environment right now. They we the barm is on the is is in the process of creating, building a more established enabling environment for uh, the economic development, so that we can allow uh, partners from the private sector in uh, particular investors in helping us uh, push things because one we may have the money but we don't have the uh, market connection and then of course the technology in uh, enhancing these uh, our products uh, the problems continue to be the same we are simply solving it we may be able to have more than now because we have more capabilities and however we might also be doing something uh, we might be missing something when we, uh, we were addressing the problem, such that we need to really, as you were saying, we need to continue revisiting our strategies and our programs, such that we that it be able that we be able to uh, produce more uh, responsive, effective uh, programs. Okay, uh, you know when we were looking at. Uh the, the first iteration of the BARM cabinet, right? And the establishment of the different regional ministries. How come uh, I can't see the reason for lumping together big uh, departments into one? For instance, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Agrarian Reform into just one office. I mean, if you look at the national structure there are separate departments for these three three critical issues that impact barn and yet it's lumped into just one um, ministry is this reflective of the priority that the barn uh, governance uh, structure uh, looks at in dealing with agriculture fisheries and agrarian reform well, uh, first, uh, to, to be fair with the, with the more Islamic liberation front, it's provided in the Bangsamoro organic law that it will be one department. But it does not preclude the BARM from, uh, say, uh, providing an independent ministry for each of those uh, basic program area. Both you and I, we've been going around BARM. Clearly, agriculture agriculture is a key component of economic activity across Barm, right? Uh, fisheries also for the island provinces, Basilan, Sulu, and Tawi-Tawi. And agrarian reform across the region is also key. Actually, agrarian reform should be able to help in the socioeconomic component of the normalization phase of mm -hmm. the comprehensive yeah. agreement on the banks tomorrow. That should really be a big boost to them if we only can use it. And then second, uh, um, we also see, as you were, you were saying, uh, no, uh, you were saying uh, fisheries, no? But fisheries, we mm. also fisheries in Iliana Bay, in the Moro Gulf, right? in mm. Lanao, in Maguindanao. So, but the thing there is that um, 
the the which is the the lumping of these uh, the lumping of these focus areas into uh, into one ministry actually is, is supposed to be not a problem if only we can manage it in as much mm-hmm. as the constitution says that uh, dynasty will be prohibited in accordance with law provided yeah. by congress and mm-hmm. considering that no law no no national law has been enacted on the matter can we can we go ahead and say put it in the barn so so, so barn will take the lead yes we are at least we are trained uh, we are trend setting on this matter attorney tang when you talk about the local why is it called local governance code not we are not on because the gob we are not only interested in the structure we are mm-hmm. more interested on the structure being able to deliver uh what is wanted and needed by our community so we are more on the supply side rather on mm-hmm. the simply structure because when you say government simply you have a mayor you have a vice mayor but we want that government to be responsive to the people that's why we call it governance let me ask you when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you find the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What is moral governance? Because the MILF keeps on focusing that governance structures and procedures would adhere to moral governance as it is uh, embedded in Quranic, the Hadith, and Sharia. MP Teng, what is moral governance to your mind? <laughs> that's, that's a difficult <laughs> question. We don't have a definition of moral governance. I know. And then my teacher in grade 5, was it in grade 5 or grade 6, told me that not everything that is moral is legal. Yes, not, that's right. Not, not everything that is legal, legal is, moral. is moral. The minimum standards is lo- good governance. That's mm-hmm. the minimum standards of it. So we up the ante, we uh, raise the bar and say that we are not only for good governance, but we are still for good governance. We're not only for good governance, but we are for moral governance. So what is the value adding of of moral governance over good governance i think it would be the relationship between between us in most of the bangsamoro are muslims mm-hmm. and so it, it's not that the relationship is faith based because it's already faith based is that that because we are brothers uh, we we think that the bangsam we look at the bangsamoro government as its brother's keeper mm. 
So not only are we there to implement efficient, responsive, but that the parents' patriarchy concept is brought into the fore with this moral governance. We take care of our people. Yung sabi, uh, according, sabi pa ni uh, Minister Iqbal, walang iwanan, walang mm-hmm. maiiwan. Nobody so, left behind. Nobody left behind. So basically, that's it. We are our brother's keeper and we will take care of one another as we go through this uh, journey in autonomy. I'll be the devil's advocate, right? But if we are indeed our brother or sister's keeper, then how come we still have uh, reports of uh, graft and corruption? It seems to be endemic in BARM governance. It, 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 that, should be a, that should be a very, very uh, serious problem. No? Yeah. Uh, yes. we, we do understand that the, that the ARM and then the BARM were products of peace process that mm-hmm. emanated from a very bloody struggle, mm-hmm. uh, fight between our government and the Bangsamoro people. So, uh, the, parang, that's one of the, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the, uh, one attribute or feature that should be very, very manifest in the Bangsamoro. We should not have any graft in corruption in the barn, mm-hmm. in the Bangsamoro. And moral governance insists, moral governance insists that we should have, we should not, that uh, kleptocracy should not, should have no place <laughs> in the Bangsamoro yes, government. that's true. Because of that, because we owe it to our people, to mm-hmm. history, and to the people who died and suffered. We did not get this Bangsamoro simply because the national government thought it proper that we would have our own self-government. It was a product of negotiation, and that negotiation was fueled by the blood, tears, and lives of our martyrs. So um, that's one thing. So Anjansia. So it's the that issue of graft and corruption, incompetence, uh, kakistocracy, kleptocracy, and kakistocracy will have no place. Should have no place in moral governance because this is a government that was founded on the lives tears and blood of our martyrs and people and so it should be responsive to our people that's why it the the it it i think that is one of the reasons why we should have moral governance so it does not the the issue the the rumor if any about such things those things those um unspeakable things uh, uh the rumors about them is one of the compelling reasons why we should have more governance in the Bangsam Autonomous Region. We should be better than others. Wow, this the discussion be has become very, very interesting. But uh, hold, hold that thought for a quick moment. I want to give a shout out to all our listeners and thank them for their support. For any questions, comments, or thoughts to our hosts and guests, of course, will be much appreciated. You can send in your questions, comments to our email at chitokspeacepodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook, Twitter, and Insta- Instagram accounts at chitokspeace. And of, co- of course, don't forget, don't forget to give us uh, a follow if you like the discussion so far. And if you have a request for uh, other topics that you would like us to look at and uh, engage in uh, 
conversations like this, please recommend and even suggest uh, guests like MP Teng that you'd like to come back for another session in uh, in She Talks Peace. Going back, uh, MP Teng, for moral governance, wouldn't that require also transparent and effective monitoring and evaluation, such as you have to have good accounting systems mm -hmm. for accountability? Yes. Uh, responsiveness, yes. transparency, mm -hmm. accountability. This should, if we, if, if we look at the context of how the moral governance is being spouted by, mm -hmm. by us, uh, those three things should be essential. We, we, we should, it's, we should also be participatory. Mm -hmm. We, we should, we should be humble enough to appreciate that the wants and needs are more known. Uh, it's the people who knows more better mm -hmm. about what they want and what they need, yeah. and they're about their situation. We should always be, you know, we we should not, you know, we should always be consultative. Mm -hmm. There should always be space for community demand-driven activities. So that's one. Then, of course, uh, we have to be responsive. The mm -hmm. the understanding their situation. For instance, you from one hundred fifty pesos. Uh, price of seaweeds has dropped to 50 pesos in the last three months. Yes. So basically, now people are telling me, Tang, that's a matter of between supply and demand. I was telling them, okay, it's supply and demand. Suppose that there's, so, there's little uh, demand from, say, Cebu of our seaweeds. And then our people, our uh, seaweeds farmers, uh, tire of this situation. And then they ship. Mm -hmm. What will happen to our seaweeds industry? So mm -hmm. this is not a matter of supply and demand. This is a matter of our national security. It's food security and at the same time a question of our stability because seaweeds is one of our major dollar-earning products. So it's not as elementary as some poor people down south being mm -hmm. is, given a lower price or for their products. No, it's not. It, it will def definitely affect uh, some of our national concerns. And then, uh, again, as I was saying, if we want to be responsive, if we were to take care of our people, then we would have to also to be transparent mm -hmm. because people ha seem to have developed this uh, nagging idea about government and e governance and people in government. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so you have to be very, very careful even if you can't afford a uh, land cruiser. So, e sometimes prudence uh, dictate that we avoid them at this point in time when uh -huh. we are interested 85 billion of, of Filipino uh, taxpayers' money. money. Okay, and then of course uh, accountability. Uh, we do have to do that. Uh, we 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 might be honest. Our integrity might be uh, beyond question or reproach. But we would also want people to be able to look at how do we do, uh, particularly. Mm -hmm manage the resources entrusted to us by the Filipino people from hardworking Filipinos. The the 85 billion that we are spending here are generated are from the hard-earned uh, income tax from yeah. the national uh, from the people outside of the farm. We only pay around 2 billion pesos in taxes. So we should be grateful for that and for that alone, we should always insist on value for money. Now, MP Teng, you talked about uh, the necessity of being participative, inclusive, 
and transparent in governance, uh, both in the governance structure and the governance processes in BARP. Talking about inclusivity and participatory, what is the role of women, to your mind, uh, okay. in all of this? Uh, basically, in, in uh, one, um, there, there are studies, you know, previous, you know, earlier been made as to the role of women mm -hmm. uh, during the struggle. No? You have to understand that when many families lost their husbands and their sons, Mm -hmm. uh, to the struggle, and some people, some even while well, uh, they may not have met their martyrdom, they're still uh, uh, away from their families. So women would have to, mothers, for instance, would have to take care of their traditional roles and also assume non-traditional roles, roles that were previously uh, taken care of by uh, ano, task of men, the husbands, mm -hmm were taken over by taken upon by uh by the wives so basically that was then prior to the war and now uh here um we also have to understand that we have many women mm -hmm. uh um, you would see uh able and competent women in the labor market say in the government uh, say service market civil service market there's there's still a lot of them so we would expect them to be holding uh, position. So we do not expect them to be discriminated. Neither did I hear uh, any. No? So we're very able you know, women. Our attorney general is woman, very able, attorney lie. And then we have uh, the very hardworking attorney Raisa Jajuri, very hardworking also. So basically we see them in the, in the barn. So uh, they, we have a lot of very competent women. One also big win for the BARM is that we have a Bangsamoro Women Commission. That's right. The Bangsamoro Women Commission is just a partner of our national, uh, the Philippine Commission on Women. Mm -hmm. uh, here, they administer about yung GAD, particularly the GAD budget, which is 5%. And 5% of 85 billion or 90 billion, or say 80 billion, is around 4 billion pesos across uh, all those ministries. And this is 4 billion over and above the almost 4 billion spread in all local government units. Wow. Hopefully, it's um, the programs are go beyond beautification projects and setting up basketball courts. Uh, yes, and then seminars, of course, symposium. Uh, at least we already have the appropriation. At least we, it's not something that, unlike in the previous government, when we still have to beg in the, in the, in the previous regime in the autonomous region of Muslim Indian, we still have to beg in Manila from Manila for us to access money and they can simply and the biggest the biggest uh, allocation for the ARMM was around 23 billion mm -hmm. is it 23 billion or 30 billion that's the biggest and now we have 85 so almost 300 percent increase so our capability so the constraints, we have already lifted the constraints that were present in uh, the ARMM, even under the very able leadership of Governor Hataman. Uh -huh. MP Teng, um, recently you were part of this, the first ever BARM DOJ meeting on anti-trafficking initiatives, right? Uh, 
what what would be the directions taken by, for instance, your committee, uh, since you chair the Committee on Public Order and Safety with respect to trafficking in persons, especially it affects and impacts mostly women and uh, girls. Yeah. In the trafficking of persons, so basically there, there are two kinds of uh, with the, uh, persons falling within the category of trafficking in persons. First person, those who are being misled or forced to migrate into some other community and they're being abused. And there are also some people who willingly go through extra-legal means of migration. Okay, dun sa ex- medyo extra-legal means of migration, uh, we would, we had some discussions with, uh, with our friends in that DOJ interagency meeting that we may have to be more creative in providing them access to foreign overseas employment. So precisely, they were going through extra-legal means of migration, of foreign uh, foreign work, uh, foreign employment, uh, must be because the opportunity, the, the access to such opportunity is quite limited or there are some restrictions and restraints. So we should be able to address that and make it more... Uh, uh, available to them, accessible to them. Now, on the matter of those on on uh, we will uh, on the matter of those who are being misled or forced, or almost abducted uh, and brought to other communities, uh, we w- that would be discussed in in another forum on maritime security. Uh, we we have already made some discussions with our Ministry of Transportation and Communication and. We would like to expand that with some other friends. And then, of course, we will include Navy in the Philippine Coast Guard. As you understand, the Navy has the strongest presence in the in our borders. Talking about maritime and marine environment, let's look at, you mentioned this earlier that you went to the Turtle Islands in Tawi-Tawi. What's happening in the sanctuary? So, uh, yeah, um, we, we continue to... No, no. We have a strengthened office in the Ministry of Environment, Natural Resources on uh, the protected areas, on the management of the protected areas. So we hope to see uh, more vigorous uh, protection of our uh, no, administration of protected areas and the protection, for instance, of our turtles. Uh, on the matter of the turtles, uh, we cannot say whatever. We would have to say that whatever we do right now is not good enough. No. There must be, there must and need to be rooms for improvement. And that's why we, were, we are looking at uh, engaging civil society, including Attorney Sun, uh, <laughs> into looking at to ha- more creative ways of uh, promoting uh, our turtles in the Turtle Island because the, the turtles provide a I think they are very critical in providing in the in strengthening our fishery habitat. Just a point to add, dear listeners, that Turtle Islands are as, um, a number of islands that are located in both in the Philippines, Indonesia, and Malaysia. So there's, um, I think, as, as of now, there's a joint uh, trilateral agreement, right? Then looking at improving. Uh, the sites because these are habitats of the marine turtles, the sea turtles. So uh, 
can this be um, an occasion for BARM to engage with our uh, neighbors in Malaysia and Indonesia to look at maybe an exchange of best practices insofar as protecting the environments and habitats of the marine turtles? So I, I think there's already a multilateral, a trilateral conversation on the matter. And it is le- basically, uh, it's ba- it's a, in as much as it is between nations, it is multilateral. It, it's really the Philippines talking to our neighbors. However, uh, they have provided also the BARM sufficient space in that conversation. I think they were in, they were in Malaysia in uh, around three weeks ago, and there's a there's a conference about this, and they are telling us that we actually we are quite uh, far behind in protecting our and uh, our, our turtles compared to other people, other agencies. But simply because sometimes these are quite too uh, distant, too remote for us. That's true. For instance, most of the people who go to Mapun and Tawi Tawi. Uh, in Turtle Islands, they go there only when we have naval ships uh, on patrol, and then so they can they will ask the navy if they can uh, have a right, and then uh, so as to be able to reach Mapun and Turtle Island. Uh, actually, we brought around two thousand, more than two thousand armchairs, and the, I think this is the first time that armchairs were from the ARMM, BARM and ARMM ever reached Mapun. Mapun, yes. Yeah, so. And we, and then we also brought some at least eight hundred to Taganak, and they were very, very grateful to the Philippine Navy for providing the platform on transporting this. But you, you have to understand that this is not the primary mission of our Philippine Navy. So, attorney, thing, how do the local locals travel if they, if the only viable means of transport is hitching a ride with the navy? No, no, no. Uh, and among the locals, uh, they, I think they have already adjusted. There are some cargo boats. There are cargo uh-huh. boats, but these are principally cargo. And if you so want not, to ride, not, oh, not, not passenger. passenger. But we have already started conversation. Uh, I'm pleased to report also that we we, we saw that there were, there's already an MSU Mindanao State University campus in southern Palawan. So wow. basically, and then. For emergencies, how do they get out? For medical evacuation, how do they get out during yes. medical evacuation? Uh, there's a, there's a, there are some Christian uh, missionary groups in southern Palawan who are <laughs> always ready to lend us a helping hand if and when we want to travel to. I think we simply have to reimburse them with their fuel. Pero imagine this are you can simply appreciate. I hope that some some someday some Muslim will be generous enough also to. Yes, that's home. true. How time flies when the conversation is getting to be interesting. As we uh, almost draw to a close, um, can we hear what any final thoughts, uh, Attorney Teng, that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, first, uh, Attorney Sal, we have to be very, very grateful for everybody who has supported and accompanied us in our journey in the peace process no we wouldn't have we wouldn't have gone this far had it not because of the international support uh, and we the international support continue to be very very manifest you see still a lot of un agencies here in the bangsamoro and we are 
continue we continue to be very very grateful to that now um may we also apprise you that we are only st- we are still in the transition we are still about to jump start the autonomy the autonomy would really begin when our people will put in the in the banks when the banks of more people will start to put in the banks of more government their duly elected representatives and we hope that elections will not be delayed any further uh, the president said during our oath taking that uh, there might be there will be no more extension uh, beyond 2025 so we hope to we are doing the bangsamoro government under the leadership of chairman alhaj murad ibrahim is doing we are doing our best to provide uh, the barn the necessary uh, tools and environment that would allow the first elected bangsamoro parliament to start as you say hit the ground running in 2025 um most of the codes at least uh, three of the six major codes has already been enacted most of our government agencies are are retooling and fine tuning their operation systems so we we hope that by the time by 2025 uh, we are more efficient and responsive and that uh, our government would be felt uh, may i also update pala uh, ma'am ano uh, attorney sal uh, for instance in maguindanao we have already updated from our side of the uh, region we have already upgraded our at least three hospitals as level and at least two hospitals as level two hospitals so we would have icu facilities already and then one a sanitarium has been upgraded already as level two in sulu we have also uh, enacted a law upgrading the sulu provincial hospital into a level two and then there's also a maimbong district hospital in in maimbong so we we run short of time on the uh, provincial hospitals and the other hospitals in Tawi-Tawi and Basilan and even in Lanao but we hope to make up uh, during this uh, last two years well thank you very much um, MP attorney Teng Ambolondo for accommodating our request and guesting on in in our podcast she talks peace we hope to invite you again for future discussions especially on trafficking in persons and the initiative to protect the marine turtles in Tawi-Tawi. Uh, again to all our listeners, thank you for following us. Uh, give us a follow at She Talks Peace on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and get updated on our latest episode releases including this important episode uh attorney teng i hope and we all hope to hear you again in another episode of she talks peace on behalf of amina bernardo uh, the philippine center for islam and democracy and our guest uh, mp attorney suharto ambolonto thank you listeners for sharing your hour with us And see you in our next episode of She Talks Peace. Goodbye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. 
For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.